It was January 2009. That's when I implemented the first GED tutorial program at Pivot Ministries. The program was designed to help students improve their math and language art skills in preparation for the GED test. See, for the time I'd been there, I recognized that a lot of the men coming into the program didn't have their high school diplomas. They had not completed high school. Being a former special ed teacher, this was really close to my heart. It was even concerning. So I started this program. At the time, I was the assistant program director. Nonetheless, I taught the class three days a week, three hours each day. And this was in conjunction with my regular program duties. So there were days this was pretty heavy. It was pretty difficult to manage. But I pushed forward. About a year later, after teaching the class, I got a call from a gentleman. His name was Paul. Now, I've already spoken to Paul, and he's given me permission to tell this story. Paul called. He was interested in doing some community service at Pivot Ministries. During the phone conversation, I asked him to tell me more about himself. So Paul explained that he had lost his job, that he was going through some legal issues as a result of a DUI, and he had to complete 50 hours of community service. Paul mentioned that he was from New Canaan, he lived in New Canaan, and that he was a school teacher. Paul had been a school teacher at Greenwich High School for 20 years. So you can imagine what I'm thinking about <laughs> about this time, right? So of course, I invited Paul to come in to see me, and we talked about him more. Paul had been blessed with many talents, amazing communication skills, intellect, physical, physical ability, good health, and again, what I selfishly liked most was his gift of teaching. Now, I remember Paul is unemployed, so he's financially challenged. He's court-stipulated. He has this community service over his head, and I'm sure he's probably out of his comfort zone at Pivot. But nonetheless, Paul wanted to begin teaching this class immediately. So I agreed to sponsor his community service. Now it was only within a matter of weeks that the students started raving about how good Paul was. I'm like, thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd visit the class and they're having these light bulb moments. They're understanding everything. They're even passing the practice test that they couldn't get earlier. Praise you, Paul. <laughs> Paul completed his 50 hours of community service. But on his last day, Paul came. He said, Richard, you know, there are two guys. They're almost there. Just a little bit. Just a little bit longer. I'd like to stay on and help them get to the finish line. By all means, stay on board. Even though he had completed his community service hours, Paul wanted to stay on board. It was only in a matter of weeks he came to me again. They're ready. They're ready, Richard. Let's get them registered. So we registered the two guys for their GED test. Shortly after that, they passed their test, and they both 
received their Connecticut State High School diplomas. I've never seen two happier men. And I want to tell you, it's a special celebration when a 54-year-old man gets his high school diploma. Our parable today, the parable of the talents, it shows us the same as Paul's story. There is increase when we put our God-given talents to work. As a matter of fact, it pleases God. It pleases God when we are faithful stewards with all that he has given us. It pleases God when we're faithful stewards to all that he's given us. Let's take a closer look at the text. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles with me. You can find it on page 987 in your pew Bibles. In verse 14, we read, For it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who will call his servants, who, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So who's going on the journey? The man is Jesus. He's the one who will be going away and returning to his, to his father following his resurrection. He's the man who will be going away. The disciples don't quite understand that Jesus is going to be crucified, but ultimately he's going to be raised from the dead and he's going to be returned to his place in glory. They don't quite understand that he's going to be sending a helper, the Holy Spirit. No longer will they have Jesus next to them. No longer will Jesus be in their midst. The Holy Spirit is soon going to be God in them. And then we see that Jesus, the man on the journey, gives a different number of talents to each of his three servants. Read along verse 15. To one he gives five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, to each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Five talents, two talents, one talent. Now perhaps that doesn't sound like very much, but in fact, this was a significant amount given to the servants. In that time, one talent was worth about 6,000 denarii. One denarius was one day's wage. So if you do the math, one talent was about worth 20 years of labor. That was a significant amount of money given to the servants. In today's U.S. economy, it'd be about $500,000 for one talent. Do the math, five talents, three talents. One, five talents, two talents, one talent. What he gives them has significant value. What he gives them has significant worth. And then in 16 through 18, he who had received the five talents went at once. He went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So the servant who received the five talents, he went at once and traded with them, and he made five more. 
There was no procrastination. There was no hesitation. He knew exactly what to do with his talents. And then the second, he does the same. He went at once to trade his talents. There is a sense of enthusiasm. There is a sense of excitement. They are just happy and excited to be trusted with such a great treasure. And even more, to do something positive with it. They both went at once and traded their talents. I looked up this Greek word, the Greek, the Greek word for traded. The Greek word is ergosomy, and it means to work, to do, to minister about, to labor about. But even more specifically in our context, it means to make gains by trading. To make gains by trading. So there is this sense of increase. There is an intention of increase in the trading. It's like when Paul, our school teacher, he was eager to start teaching that class immediately. He was excited. He was enthused to teach it. Despite all that was ahead of him, he was ready to share his gifts for the benefit of others. He was eager to work. He was eager to minister. He was eager to make gains by trading, willing to put his talents to use to bring increase in others. And so likewise, the two servants put their talents to work immediately. And in each case, their original assets doubled. Trading their talents resulted in the increase. But then we have this third servant, the one that buried his one talent. He's described as wicked and slothful. The master responds to his service by saying, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. What's going on with this guy? The master basically cast him into hell. You're probably thinking, Pastor Richard, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty heavy. Well, I thought the same thing too. Wicked, slothful, cast him into outer darkness just for burying one talent. This, this text challenged me at this point. But it also challenged those people who heard Jesus speak. Because in the first century, burying one's assets was, was, wasn't unusual. That's what people did. As a matter of fact, it was considered safe. It was considered prudent. It was without any risk. Just as a side note, Matthew 13, there's a parable that Jesus tells of a man finding a treasure hidden in a field. Well, it was hidden in the field because someone put it there for safekeeping. Burying one's assets was not all that unusual. So the original hearers to this, they would have thought the third servant's response was not only safe, but that it was wise. To them, he was the smarter of the three. So why the harsh response? As we look into the parable, it appears that Jesus is stressing the importance 
of a person simply using their talent. A talent is useless unless it's used. The third servant wanted to be safe. He didn't want to take any risks, so he simply buried the talent. Had he even just attempted to use his talent, his reward would have been the same as the other servants. He didn't want to take any risks. He wanted to play it safe. I want to offer you today, saints, that Jesus invites us to feel free to use our talents. He's the risk taker. He does all the heavy lifting. Well, he even brings the increase. Us using the talent doesn't bring the increase. He brings the increase. He expects us to use our talents. So that brings us to the big question. What does the talent represent? Everything we have. Everything that God has given us. Not just a few abilities that we label gifts and talent, but it's everything. Your mind, your body, your health, your strength, your friends, your family, your job, the doors of opportunities that come to you. Saints, it's the very breath in your lungs. And the most precious gift is his word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. His word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's been entrusted to us, saints. He's given us his word and the gospel. Now, the original application of this parable was to the Jewish people. They received the word from their predecessors, and ultimately they received them to receive the word from God himself. But they simply buried it. They buried it where ordinary people couldn't get to it. They buried it in their rituals. They buried it in their traditions. They buried it in their pride. They buried it in their self-righteousness. They wanted a religion without change. They wanted a religion without risk. They simply wanted to keep it to themselves. You know, in the same way, we often bury God's word. In our culture, faith is a private matter. It's a personal affair. In fact, we even value it as something that we should keep to ourselves. We are so quick to showcase other aspects of our lives. We'll go to social media and we'll showcase the new house, the new car, the new job. We'll showcase the new relationship. But not our faith. You want to offend God? Bury your faith. Bury the gospel. Bury his word. Bury that which he has given you. This, is, this, was, the service of, this was the service of the third servant. He simply buried his talent. And it was taken away, and it was given to the one who had ten talents. Let's read verse 29. For to everyone who has, more will be given, 
and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So you see, we actually, when, we're, when we act faithfully with what God has given us, our capacities will grow. If we do nothing with them, our ability to respond and to be useful will diminish. It's by giving it away. It's by using the talent that we will be given more. So what's the so what? I told him he should patent that. <laughs> God is a God of increase. Even his word alone brings new life. His word alone brings new life. New life abundant and eternal. We are invited to participate with him by using the talents given to us by him. It's an invitation. We've been given the most valuable resource of all, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus. And when we apply his word as good stewards, we are a blessing to others. The value of what we do multiplies. Simply hiding it away doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything, any good for anyone and is considered by God to be wicked and slothful. So then the, now what? Trade your talents. Trade your talents. Jesus doesn't expect us to receive such a precious gift and to simply hide it. He expects us to go at once, to go at once and trade our talents through our words, through our actions. He wants us to be excited. He wants us to be enthusiastic. He wants us to be free to use our talents. He used his talent. He gave us himself. He gave his life. He didn't have to come down from heaven, but he did. He crossed many boundaries in order that his kingdom would grow here on earth. He's asking us to do the same. He's given us the second chance to do just that. Speaking of second chances, back to my friend Paul. Today, Seven years later, far beyond the initial 50 hours of community service, far beyond his first two successful GED candidates, Paul is still serving at Pivot Ministries. He's been employed with Pivot for the past five years as the director of the GED tutorial program. He has been given the joy of 53 men who have received their high school diplomas since he began. You see, Paul buried his talent, but God gave him another chance. God gave him another opportunity to use it again. And by using his talent wisely, 
Paul has been given more. His faithfulness rewarded. So, in closing, I want to tell you one last story. And it's about another pivot guy. He had also been given some mighty talents. uh, A great family, uh, friends, opportunity, education, even the word of God. But he too buried his talent. He buried them in addiction. He buried them in his pride. He buried them in his selfishness. He buried them in his preoccupation with material wealth. He finally hit rock bottom. He found himself in that desperate place, that place of outer darkness, face to face with that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He heard the call of God, and he answered that call. You see, I know this story. That's my story. I buried it all, but God gave me a second chance. He gave me a second chance to use my talents. And saints, the good news is he has afforded every one of us that same opportunity. A second chance. A second chance to use your talents. So dig them up. Dig up your talents. Go at once. Put them to work for the kingdom of God. Amen.